Welcome to the Build with Brabeck podcast, where we dig deep into real, raw, and honest conversations with people that are making moves, making change, and making their own version of their very best life. And teaching you how to build the same. Covering all things health, wellness, anti-diet culture, body positivity, and so much more. Here's your host, Amanda Brabeck. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the Build with Brayback podcast. It's your girl, Amanda. Um, thanks for being patient. If you're listening on Thursday, I am so sure so many people are just waiting with bated breath for this episode to come out. Just kidding. I don't think that's true at all. But um, normally I post it in the morning and I just truthfully, truly, truly did not have it together this week. And, but it's still Thursday. I'm going to post this before five, before close of business. That feels good enough. And you know what? Sometimes good enough is just right. So I feel fine about that. But sorry if you were hoping for it this morning. I'll try to be more on top of it. Um, Instead of highs and lows, I kind of just want to talk about I guess it's kind of my low for the week, but more like a news thing, which I normally don't, but it's, it feels important. So I am sure so many of you have been following the Free Britney case. Um, you know, Britney is trying to end her conservatorship or get her father out of there. Um, and yesterday the judge denied her request and it just is so infuriating. Like when she spoke, she talked about how she forcibly has an IUD so she can't have any children. She has no control over getting that taken out. It was put in against her will. She would like to get it taken out. She cannot. And like that is, you know, such a small piece in the big picture. But it's sickening. It's just it's not about her. I It's it's about controlling her. And um, yeah, it just like really, really irks my nerves, especially because the same exact day, Bill Cosby who admitted to using quaaludes to sexually assault women and very young girls was released on like a very small legal detail. Yet this grown adult woman who went through a mental health issue years ago, like 10 years ago, which was, all only because of the way that the world treated her is being told that she doesn't have the mental capacity to manage her money. Like she's a grown adult woman. If she wants to blow all of her money on something or do this or that, can't she just do that? Like I truly don't understand it. It seems like such an antiquated Rule, And I feel like it was put in place more for like the elderly who no longer, you know, are able to make those types of decisions for themselves and not be fooled by uh, like fraud attempts and stuff like that. Like that is not the same situation here. And it's just like the controlling of women. It's the controlling of women for me. Okay, if Bill Crosby can freaking run around all up in these streets doing whatever he wants to do when he fully admitted it. He fully admitted it. So what the hell? Um, It infuriates me. She has another hearing on the 14th, so that's not that far away. And I am just hoping and praying that this judge gets her head out of her ass. Sorry, mom, if you're listening, but that is the truth. Um, And I know – 
it can seem it can seem really far off and silly because she's like this big time celebrity and it's so easy to like detach ourselves from the fact that like she's a real human being and like it's her life she deserves to live a life she's not living one right now she has no control over anything and like if that can happen to her I just feel like it can trickle down and happen to so many women and it it's 2021 it's time for it to stop but that being said let's move on it's been a great week we're coming up on the long weekend I cannot wait I have an extra long weekend because my company was so kind to give us Monday Tuesday Wednesday and I cannot wait to go to the beach I cannot wait to sleep in alarm-free living all the things um I'm super excited for you guys to hear this episode. I met NG. didn't even like meet her, but I was connected to her through Ashley Mitchell, who was a previous podcast guest. Um, her diversity and inclusivity series that she had via Zoom this spring. Um, and she's just – she has such a cool story. She's so well-spoken. We talk about – so many different things. I know I've had a handful of nutritionists and dietitians on the show, but it's just interesting to see all of their different perspectives and all the different things that they bring to the table. So with her, she works primarily with um, on like sports nutrition and then with eating disorder clients. So um, trigger warning. I should have said that in the beginning before I talked about Bill Cosby. I'm sorry about that. But um, we do talk about some eating disorder stuff, nothing super graphic or anything like that. But I like to just give the warning up top in case you're not um, in the headspace today to listen to that. Um, we also talk about her incredible story of what led her to becoming a dietitian. We talk about diversity and inclusivity within dietetics and nutrition because it very much is not diverse um, and why that's important and how it affects people. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be great. I hope that you guys enjoy it. I hope that you have the most wonderful long weekend. Go eat some hot dogs with the bun unless you're gluten-free. But there are gluten-free buns out there, people. It is 2021. It's a, what a time to be alive. I just want to reiterate, have fun. Be safe. Don't worry about gaining weight over the weekend. Exercise or move because it's going to bring some joy to your day because you're going to feel good. Maybe there's a fun themed 4th of July class you want to go to with some friends. But please don't make it about working off anything that you ate at a cookout or working off the drinks that you drank at the beach. Live a little bit. Take the pressure off yourself. Have a lovely time. I love you all. Enjoy. I am so excited to chat with this week's guest and so honored to have her join. She is a first-generation Dominican-American as well as the first, we believe, Dominican dietitian in Massachusetts. Her passion started way back when, when she served in the U.S. Marine Corps. Um, thank you for your service. No big deal. That's really cool. Um, and she is a registered dietitian now at Metro West Nutrition, focusing on sports performance and eating disorders. And she also serves on the board for the Boston Alliance of Diversity and Dietetics. Her mission is to help others who struggle to find success, growth, and overall peace. In her words, even if she is unable to change the world, she can change the world for one person. And I think that's just such a lovely way of looking at life. So welcome to the podcast, NG Mora. Thank you for having me. Of this course. is my second podcast for the week. So, Oh my goodness, she is uh, booked and busy. <laughs> I was like, I did one, I don't know, I think it was on, yeah, Monday. Um, so yeah, so it's it's been fun. Awesome. I love it. Well, I kind of want to just start from the beginning. Um, <laughs> Because I think that'll kind of lead us nicely into the work that you're doing now. So why don't we talk about your time in the U.S. Marine Corps? Um, why you joined? What that was like? Yeah. I know that you said that 
you, that's kind of where you notice some disordered eating patterns. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I grew up, you know, like I said, first generation, I know you said it, but Mm -hmm. first generation and I felt like, you know, I needed a way out, you know, when I was going to school at the time, um, it felt like community college was like frowned upon. Like, it was just like, if you go to community college, you're like, not smart. Like, how could you? You need to go to one of these big schools. Yeah, I think time, it's like that at so many places. And it's so sad because it's not any better or worse. Absolutely. Well, I had no idea at the time. Right. A lot of my friends were like applying to like bigger schools. And um, I struggled a lot in school. I had a different upbringing than most of my peers. My mom was a single parent raising five children on her own, um, not knowing any English. So there was a lot of my mom removing us from even playing outdoors, like, um, because we needed to translate for my mom. Um, So yeah, I didn't feel like I was the smartest kid in school. So my brother, I'm the youngest out of five. So my brother ended up, my older sister went to college through scholarships. And then my brother ended up joining the Marine Corps. Mm -hmm. And I felt like, well, I'm not smart enough to go to college. So I'm like, could it be smart enough to join the Marine Corps? Or, you know, I felt like it was my only way out, honestly, mm-hmm. because my environment was very toxic. Um, and I just needed to get away. Um, I just decided, you know what, I'm just going to follow, you know, my brother's footsteps because um, school was not a thing for me. And I did just that. Um, my brother did his best to prepare me as much as possible. I can't speak in behalf of the other branches of service, but um, in the Marine Corps, when we go to training, when we go to boot camp, they separate the males and the females. So of course, mm-hmm. as much as my brother is guiding me, it's coming from a male perspective. Right. So he would do his best to connect me to some of his like you know peers that were you know female female Marines. So. I would talk to a whole bunch of these, you know, female Marines, like, of course, like fangirling here, these people, yeah. like, badass women, like in the military and the Marine Corps out of all branches of service, no offense to the other branches of service, but the Marine Corps, again, a little bias here. Sorry. I mean, it's fair. Sorry, like, not, you gotta be tough. <laughs> so yeah, I left, I took the requirements that I had to do and I left. And to be honest, the whole time that during boot camp, during the whole time that I was in service, a lot of the stuff that I was doing, I wasn't aware that it wasn't disordered or okay or not normal. It was our environment. It was yeah. normalized. So I did nothing wrong, right? I did everything what everybody was doing. So yeah, looking back, leaving leaving the service um, from a medical retirement, I then came to realization, oh goodness, it's actually really bad. It led me to a different path. And with my own relationship with food and nutrition, mm-hmm. um, it was completely screwed up, uh, which again, I'm totally an open book, but eventually a lot of that disordered behavior led to a full-fledged eating disorder. Um, I don't know what to do with that information. I'm like, because from my understanding, an eating disorder is a white girl skinny white girls high school thing not you know a person of color you know hispanic like any of that i didn't look i wasn't thin so i'm like it wasn't a thing for me so why would i address it or how do even i how do you does how does someone even address that like yeah or label it as an eating disorder because i didn't know what the hell that shit was in the first totally for my language no you can say whatever you want (laughs) (laughs) so yeah so All of that behavior um, and the stuff I experienced, again, I experienced great things in the military. I want like shit all over it, but, um, and not the greatest thing. I'm in a male dominant world and experienced a lot of crap um, being a female. um, Yeah. Uh, Other than my disorder stuff, I did get an injury. That's what led uh, eventually led to my, um, um, medical retirement while in boot camp and mm-hmm. I was telling this this past Monday I was doing the podcast I did fracture both my legs in boot camp my and God. how did that happen oh goodness 
being underfueled and being over trained. Um, yeah. but you don't know those things when you're in, you just like, you're thinking right. it's you, like you're clearly the problem, not what it was being done to me and being fed. I was underfueled. Right. Um, I did fracture both my legs in boot camp, and then while you're there, they what they do is they send you to like a rehab to kind of recover. So if you show any signs of weakness, depression, suicidal, which happen all the time, the first thing that they do is like they send your ass back home. Yeah. They don't want to deal with that shit, like mental health shit. Oh, God forbid we deal with that. So mm-hmm. I knew like I had a mission. I was like, I need to leave this island, which I go, we go to Paris Island. Mm-hmm. Um, I need to leave this island as a Marine. I'm like, I have to poker face. Believe me, I was going through it. Yeah. Um, I can imagine. Really I have the lowest pain tolerance in the world. So. Yeah. Like physically and mentally, it was, it was a shit show, but I, how could I show that? I don't want to be right. Sick. There was nothing home for me to go back to. Like, right. That was your was decision nothing. to leave. I left. And how could I go back with nothing? I was like, what, what am I going to do? Go to college? I'm like, I'm not smart enough to go to college. So, um, and my environment, like I said, was toxic. So I was like, this is my only way out. So I stuck it through, went back to training, pushed through, graduated, became a full-fledged Marine, um, right, you know, after finishing my training. Um, yeah, and it just kind of like trickled down from there. Just a lot of, you know, what had led me here today, just a lot of good and bad things. Yeah. Can we talk about some of the um, like disordered eating and like under fueling and over training kind of patterns that developed there and then like how they came back with you when you went home? Yeah. So I know things have changed. Um, There's actually uh, one of a really a, a friend. She's a mentor. I will call her mentor. She actually um, works with a lot of, um, or she did, she doesn't anymore, works on creating meals, what we call MREs that are like, you know, with a whole bunch of vitamins and nutrients and stuff like that, that will be helpful for, you know, military right. members. Yeah, for, stuff that you need. <laughs> yeah, stuff that we need that are like in, in higher quantity um, so we can get what we need as we're training. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so... Um, yeah, it was so normalized The the, when I noticed it was a difference that they were feeding the way they fed the female Marines versus the males was drastically different. Mm-hmm. Mind you, we do the exact same training. We're just separated. So the first time that I actually saw what a, what we call chow, which yeah. what the male, what, what food in general, like lunch or whatever, just food. Um, the first time I saw what males ate, I was in shock. They got everything and, and anything. They were like, got protein, carbs, like full-fledged carbs, nothing like low fat. Like it was like the stuff that I now tell my, the clients that I work with my athletes to eat. Right. Um, the males were eating that, but then us females, we were eating things like low fat, like, you know, low carb stuff I'm like but we do the exact same training right like you're training like athletes <laughs> like we are what we, they call us tactical athletes we yeah are legitimately doing the exact same freaking training so why the right. hell and honestly they- trying probably this might come out the wrong way but like probably working harder to keep up with some of the men too you know what I mean like putting forth probably more effort to really Absolutely. prove yourself Absolutely. Just because mm. of how our muscle works, how we, you know, retain, right. gain weight. Um, also, in addition to that, like, again, because I work with a lot of my female athletes and male athletes too, like our periods, we were losing periods left and right. And guess that's what? like the number one sign that something's wrong. <laughs> Hello. And if you don't get your period, if people don't know how that works, if you don't get those periods from, the, you know, the hormones that help produce our periods, it really messes with our bone health, aka why yeah. we start experience a lot of fractures. Why then I experience my fractures? Mm. Like those things connect. Underfueling, overtraining, you know, right. Loss of period, 
bone destruction. Right. Like it's all a hundred percent connected, but I didn't know that I didn't know all of that being a thing now that I study eat, and breathe this for a living. Right. Um, but I didn't know that, but how could you know? They don't teach that shit. You yeah. Know, no, well, of course not. Care. But it's so crazy. It's like, seems so straightforward and simple that like, it, you're setting me up for failure here. <laughs> Literally setting me up for failure. So um, eventually what ended up happening, even with that fracture that I ended up getting led to something more severe. So I ended up getting um, more um, muscle and um, nerve damage that I actually um, was on the process of getting deployed and I had to get sent back because I had to get emergency surgery. My My injury was so severe that basically they told me if I would have kept pushing through or ignoring, which is a very common thing. Oh, you know, you being a female, why would you go to medical? You don't want to be weak. Right. Right. Um, so you keep pushing through. I probably would have lost both my legs. They would have gotten amputated. That's how severe Mm -hmm. my injury was. I ended up getting in Japan, training in Japan and both my legs, I ended up getting emergency surgery while my unit had left to deployment. Yeah. How old were you at the time? 19 years old. Oh my God. 19 years old. Dealing with all of that was so much. It was just so much. I didn't have my mom. I was like, I wanted my mom. I didn't have anybody. I was in a foreign country. Yeah. I had like my roommates and stuff like that. Yeah. It's not the same though. (laughs) I didn't have my family, um, getting surgery, um, yeah, there was there was just like a lot happening. Again, that's more like the worst things, but right, right I did right. have some good things. But it's not like the most things. typical experience in terms of like extreme yeah. things. But so how? So then you're, um, medic medically retired. Is that yeah. okay? Um, and how does like that transition back into like civilian life? go for you in terms of, I mean, obviously figuring out what you're going to do next, but also how some of those disordered patterns or like some of the things like the weigh-ins and all those like checks that doesn't just go away once you're out of the environment, I would imagine. Yeah. So yikes. Uh, What ended up happening um, post-military um, after my medical retirement, when I was basically not useful anymore for the military because I was injured, my injury was like severe. Um, I didn't, I didn't know how to eat because all I knew, what I understood at that time was eat and train hard. Just eat because you're gonna be able to burn it off, right? Like that was like right. the mentality there, which obviously is not the most accurate, but that was then and what I've learned and what I always knew. So now I'm out and not being physically active, training the way I was with leg injuries mm-hmm. and mental health severely like plummeted. Yeah. Like, I didn't know how to eat, how to do what felt like nothing. Um, yeah. So what had led me to my interest in nutrition to try to figure out my relationship and try to heal myself. Um, I was on a whole bunch of medication. Like I was on so many medication. And when I had the moment, my aha moment, like I really need to get my, like I need to figure this shit out. Mm -hmm. When me and my mom were on the same medication, my mom is type two diabetic and I was prescribed. I remember uh, menmorphin, not menmorphin, what is it called? I can't remember the, the medication it was. But anyways, I was prescribed almost the exact same medication as one of my medications my mom. And that was like my, um, my aha moment. Like, this is, I don't want to do this. Like whatever's happening health-wise, like I really need to get it together. So I, my husband was actually going to school for personal training at the time. And he would just know like basic thing, but like, I wanted yeah. more. I wanted mm-hmm. more clinical, anything. Like I needed more in depth what he was like, like telling me. Right. Um, so yeah, so I pursued it. I went, um, I went to community college, a place that I was like, love it. Can't go to community college. Totally went to community college. Best thing that ever happened. It really yeah. like helped me 
understand where I was, my learning style, um, what I needed, what I didn't work and what did work for me. Um, and it was between social work and nutrition. I was still like, nutrition was a thing, but like social work. So then I finished with a liberal arts because I had no idea what the hell I exactly wanted, wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Go to Regis College once I decided that, okay, I'm doing nutrition. And then after going to Regis College, I remember my community nutrition professor was a dietitian. And she then explained the difference between a nutritionist and a dietitian. Yeah. And whatever she said to me there at that moment, I knew that even being a dietitian will be in a more of a leadership position, pay more money, you have more education, there's more legal, you know, protection, like it's like a legitimate thing versus a nutritionist, right? Like not shitting down on anybody that's a nutritionist, but it's just a, a different requirement. So I wanted to do that. So I transfer out because there's only five accredited schools in Massachusetts that allowed you to take the steps to become a dietitian. So um, I ended up transferring out of Regis College because it wasn't one of the schools. And I went to Framingham State University for my undergrad. um, And then for my graduate program, I went to Simmons University. So um, this was me on a mission, selfishly thinking about myself, trying to heal myself. And then with the hopes that once I figure my shit out, then of course I'll help people, but right. how can I help people if I don't even know what the hell is happening with me? Yeah. I think that's um, huge too. Huge. It wasn't until I was one of my nutrition class that had then really laid things out for me around eating disorder of what it actually was and who gets it, like all that stuff. And that's when I'm like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. I'm part of this category, I should probably go get help, which I did actively while in school. Um, Cause I had no way, I just didn't know anything. Yeah. What was happening to me, but I was like literally going through this self-discovery of a new version of me. Yeah, no kidding. In so many different ways. <laughs> different ways in the hopes that I, yeah, that I will help somebody but I wasn't thinking about anybody and helping absolutely anybody it was like thinking about me yeah because I was exhausted I was exhausted of trying to yo-yo dieting and you know restricting and going through the whole eating disorder and it was just too much it was so exhausting I'm like I need to figure this shit out yeah yeah I mean and I think that that's not like a a selfish thing I think that that's like survival and like knowing that how are you going to make a difference in the world, in a patient's life, and anything if you don't have yourself figured out. Exactly. Yeah, that's so. huge. It's like you have to put on your own oxygen mask first, exactly. you know? Exactly what had to happen. Um, yeah, all, all I mean, that's just like, a, it feels like all of it combined led me here, but and, and there was all of the in-betweens. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it led me here. And I don't really feel like I, I talk about work. But I, I tell my clients all the time, like, I feel like this is where I belong. Yeah, <laughs> where I was meant to be at um, 100%. I feel so home here. And I see a lot of people that are struggling. Um, and I can separate myself from it. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, um, I'm sure I couldn't before I was told, I'm sure I was be triggered all the time if I was around anybody struggling. Right. But now I can totally separate myself from any of that because it's not about me anymore. I, I had my aha moment. I figured my shit out. And now mm-hmm. I'm here trying to help people figure their shit out now. I and love that. Pretty- it definitely makes you a better dietitian, I would imagine. Like you have the empathy, you can kind of understand more about what they're going through. Yeah. And it's funny as like I was debating between nutrition and social work and ultimately I, I feel like I ended up still helping people just with the nutrition part of things. Yes, absolutely. Um, so I'm, I'm happy I'm here. I'm happy that you're there too. Um, yeah. Let's, I like definitely want to like go back to some things, yeah, yeah, but I would love to hear about like the work that you're doing now and kind of get into some of that stuff. 
Yeah, so I do, I occasionally get general nutrition stuff, um, but most of my focus is on sports nutrition, performance, and eating disorders. Um, along with the eating disorder, I do get clients that are, has, have disordered eating, meaning they haven't like a full-fledged eating disorder. They just have like these behaviors that just need to be worked on. Yeah. Um, yeah. So being at Metro West Nutrition, I used to be an intern there and that was like my first exposure to an eating disorder, like rotation because whenever we go through an internship we have to do different rotation because you have to right. be exposed to community food service clinical setting um when I first originally started doing nutrition I was like set on clinical like I'm doing clinical nutrition um and then that started to switch and I was like I'll do community nutrition I feel like that's where my heart is at mm-hmm. and then I was like you know what Ashley then I started to train as an athlete my husband's an athlete I was like sports nutrition I'm like yeah. I, I need to feel myself and others and my husband and everybody else. I'm like, why not? Um, then the eating disorder came a little later because I wasn't even sure that was even a, a thing I could do. Um, and I didn't know if it was going to be triggering for me. Yeah. Um, so when I did my rotation, that was going to be like the make or break moment for me to, to let me know, like, okay, I see it. I'm not interested in it because it's probably too much for me. And when I went, I was shocked. I was shocked in a good way. I was then now exposed to more individuals who struggle. So within the, you know, as an intern, I saw there was police officers there. There were personal trainers there. There were nurses there, teachers, kids, obviously all kinds of adolescents. Mm-hmm. That's when I knew, damn, like this is a everybody thing. Like people yeah. You can't just look at someone and be like, oh, that person don't have or does have an eating disorder. You cannot tell. No. Even if someone is super, you know, again, other than the stereotypical that people see them as like skin and bones. Right. But it could be anybody. It looks it's like anybody. Yeah. That's when I realized, oh shit, like everybody struggles. Like this is the thing. So yeah. I think that's such an important point because, you know, we grew up in the era of like the 90s, early 2000s that like, I'm thinking of like Nicole Richie, like Paris Hilton, The Collarbones, Marissa Cooper from the OC, like skinny, 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 skinny. But that also was the only body type that you would ever think like, she needs to eat. She's anorexic. Like it was almost like an insult, you know, which like you still see like on the internet. I feel like people are so mean of like, go eat a cheeseburger. You're anorexic when like someone might just like naturally can't gain weight or something. Yes. But I think it's, yeah, such an important point, especially to bring up like police officers and like these professions that you think, oh, you know, they're so tough. They can't go through any of that kind of stuff. Like it makes me happy that that person was going to get help. Yeah. I'm cause... glad they were, but yeah, it was an eye-opening experience. It was just like, Oh shit. Like just everybody's just going through it right now. in this right. culture. Um, well, that's the thing, the society that we live in, right? Oh, totally. Just it's always in your face. Always. Like you were saying the yo-yo dieting, the, you know, trying every different thing that's coming out that's a new fad like uh yeah i have to keep up with that that's i think that's the fun this is a reason why i'm happy i'm a dietitian because in order for my for in order for me to keep up with my credential i need to keep up with continuously you know educate you know the yeah. educating myself um and i have to keep up with science i need to know what's happening and what the, mm-hmm. I, I have to educate myself so I can then educate my clients and explain to them, um, you know, what the truth is. And if they decide what they want to do with that information, they can, I'm going to right. advise or discourage, um, things that are not appropriate for them, but ultimately who am I to tell people what to do? Right. Um, so if they decide what they're going to do that, but all I, all I can do is educate them on the topic and give my feedback 
with permission. I usually ask my yeah. if it's okay if I give them some feedback and they usually say yes. And then I'll tell them, I discourage this. This mm-hmm. is the appropriate thing for you. And I so far, a good chunk of them have like, okay, I just wanted to talk about it. I'm like, all right, that's what I'm here for. It's <laughs> right. Great. Um, I do work with a lot of adolescents. So a lot of my teens, I do work with a, a wide range. So the youngest I do see is 14 years old and then up to my college and then to my adults. Um, and I do ask my teens that if they see anything on TikTok, because TikTok is a thing, mm-hmm. if they see anything on TikTok while they're working with me, anything related to like body image, food, nutrition, please bring it to me and let's, yeah. let's have this conversation together and don't engage in anything. And they do. I love my teens. They're so cute. I get emails from them. I that get makes messages. me happy. And they just like, hey, I saw this on TikTok. What are your thoughts? Is it okay if I do this? And 100% of the time, I'm like, no, not yeah, okay. Right. However, uh, what I eat in a day. <laughs> yes, what I eat in a day. Oh. Uh. Consume this because it's gonna help you with this. So yeah, um, they do send me stuff, and then um, to keep the email sh- short and not going back and forth, I like we'll talk about it in our next session, and we, right? And we talk about it, and we have conversations about it, and it's not encouraged most of the time. Right, I know that's like one of the biggest things that I think about when I think of like younger girls and you know young women like coming up in this day and age like for us we had like myspace yeah but it wasn't like that was not the same as this like you didn't really interact with like strangers like but it terrifies me the thought of like having a daughter and like what teenage life would be like for her like so much more comparison terrifying yeah i have seven nephews and nieces and like this is 10 and the teens yeah they stress i don't even have kids but they stress me out yeah i talk to my sister all the time like how do you like how do you even deal with this she's like i i they don't have a manual on this i don't know no i'm I'm figuring it out (laughs) so yeah Um, well let's talk a little bit about like kind of like the line of disordered eating into eating disorders. Like, yeah, I would love to talk about some of like the common disordered eating patterns that you see in your work. And, you know, I'm sure a lot of people might experience some of those things. And I mean, any tools to get past them, anything and everything in that realm. Yeah, so disordered eating is, I would say, sadly, is very common. Um, I don't know the exact percentage, but it's a big percentage. I think it's around the 70 percentile um, that people have disordered behaviors. Yeah. Um, And then obviously you have like clinical eating disorders. So clinical eating disorders, yes, we screen for them. Um, but we will, you know, have to make sure that there's actual, like, you know, diagnosis by a doctor, um, a therapist, um, we can, but then just to like solidify and like officially make it a thing, it needs to be specifically from, um, their doctors or or therapists. This is an actual clinical eating disorder, the disordered eating part of things. Again, it's the most common a lot of people do a lot of disordered things around eating yeah um to be exact it can be it varies um but it could be that someone whether they're intentionally doing it or not and it's depending on the length of the time how often that they're doing it could be that someone's restricting themselves mm-hmm. uh, because they know they're going to eat later on in the day. So um, at dinner with friends, that is disordered behavior. That is not normal. Um, for somebody, it's normal because a lot of people, I attest, I'm guilty of done stuff like that before. Yeah, honestly, me, same. Yeah, let me skip out on my eating and wait till I go have dinner because I'm going to eat later on. So 
very disordered. Yeah. Um, but people don't like know those things, of course. Yeah. Um, let's say, you know, eating and then going to the gym to go burn it off because you ate something that had too much calories that is very disordered. Um, we should be going to go move our body, have movement in our everyday for the purpose of enjoyment and overall health and not yep. for the purpose of punishment. Mm-hmm. Um, that is not fun and or healthy for us to do Preach. those things. Uh, but it happens. Mm-hmm. And I, I like to totally. say to a lot of people and a lot of my clients, it is not their fault. No. It is not their fault because this is what they know or what they've learned because of the diet culture. Yeah, society. The society we live in. Yeah. But it's not their fault. Um, as long as, you know, not everyone gets to a point in their life that they're able to really acknowledge that this is not okay and mm-hmm. go the appropriate people. Some people will probably live like that forever. Um, that's the sucky part about it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can kind of go down a whole bunch of lists of things that might feel very disordered, um, but yet it's so common. Yeah sadly. Um, if it starts to feel very consuming, um, it's completely taken over your life. You have, you know, you know, more anxiety, more depression, more, uh, obsessive behavior, compulsive behaviors, uh, social withdrawals. When it starts to become very much like that, that's consuming your every thought, um, everything, then at that point, that is something that needs to be 100% addressed. Like, right. possibly like it's too short. <laughs> yeah. And that one, we will more uh, be more, that that would be more the red flag um, where somebody may or may have, or may or may not have, but most of the time may have an actual clinical eating disorder at that point. Right. So, huh. yeah. Yeah. Not- I mean, it's like, such a case-by-case basis and there are so many different ways that it can like manifest in people's lives but i did love the way that you described it because i feel like it's very similar to the way i think about a lot of my past disordered habits that like it wasn't until like really reflecting back on everything that i realized how disordered some of the stuff that i was doing was because to me it felt normal Mm -hmm. because it was what i saw on TV shows or movies or my peers were doing it like it never seemed like it was, you know, even anything I was hiding really, or like it wasn't normal, but it was normalized. Yes. If that makes sense. Yeah. So I appreciate that perspective. Um, okay. Let's backtrack a little bit or sidetrack. I don't know. Um, but so I would love just for the sake of time to chat about your work on the, um, advisory board of the Boston Alliance for diversity and dietetics. It's kind of fitting because I also met you quotation marks, air quotes, um, on Ashley Mitchell's diversity and inclusivity series. Yeah. So this was, I applied for a position in their advisory board um, during my graduate program. And I'm like, am I ready? Like when I think of advisory boards, I'm thinking people that have been in the field and been exposing themselves and like advocating. I'm like, I wasn't fully there yet. But I'm like, you know what? I think I have a space. Um, I have a quite different experience than a lot of my peers. Yeah. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to apply for it. Did it. Got the position. I love so that. I am part of the outreach and mentorship um, committee. Mm-hmm. So it's exactly what it sounds like. So my job is to, along with other um, dietitians or soon to be dietitians. So it's basically made up of professionals either your dietitians or soon to be dietitians or students um, that are like on a mission to try to help diversify and retain some of these, you know, individuals in the field. Yeah. Um, because if people know and they see what the field looks like, most of the time, 90 
five percent of the time that you go see a dietitian they're gonna be white they're not gonna look like me at all or mm-hmm. very lack of diverse there so yeah so we are trying to figure out you know what is it that um some of these students um need or second like career changers need to help them stay come into the field and stay in the field um so with the outreach program we want to focus on the close to getting into college high school students um I feel like if they start exposing um you know the word dietetics or nutrition around this time that while they're getting ready to go to college yeah um, you know, they can apply to one of the programs. So we need to target some of these schools that are diverse um, and talk to them about them. So we do, they do like, sometimes we do like uh, presentations for some of the soccer or some of the sports team, not just soccer. I know I did a soccer one not long ago. That's why yeah. <laughs> um, some of the sports team or um, anybody that's basically interested, anybody that we can talk to within this realm, we will do any type of presentation. I love that. Um, so we can expose ourselves so they know that we exist and we, they know that um, we can potentially mentor them. So I know right now we are actively working on a mentorship for uh, high school uh, seniors that are going into college or interested in nutrition program. Um, I think we're only taking five it's students right now and if everything goes well then we will offer them a scholarship to like a part of the tuition for their um going into the nutrition program that's so So, amazing yeah so we do meet like every three weeks so that's like you know yeah it's constant communication constant trying to like outreach who we reached out to what school which organization we reached out to um always constantly checking in Mm-hmm. Uh, that is very important for me. Um, another thing too that I like to make, I guess, be transparent about too that although that I look different than a lot of my colleagues, um, the only thing that I would say that had led me here today, other than my passion, was financial support. I do have that leg up because me being a veteran, I got financial support. I yeah. We paid for from through my GI Bill if people are familiar yeah. with that. So that was my advantage compared to the other people coming behind me. Um, so totally. I want to keep that in mind that they're not going to have my same background. That yes, we might be facing the same, you know, sadly like racial microaggression or yeah. lack of support, but the financial part for a lot of these students are still going to be a thing for them. Totally. That yeah. is very much important. But we do have a lot of nonprofit organizations. Uh, we have Diversified Dietetics, um, which has been coming, you know, becoming very big. They weren't around when I was coming up, um, but I partner up with them all the time and they're always like reaching out for to me. And they're amazing and they have built a community and have raised a lots of money and have become um there was just like a nonprofit, but now they're offering internships, which is a big deal through the Dietetics Academy. They were like approved and they can offer that. So then it could be at a rate that will be reasonable for a lot of these right. coming up. So that's so yeah. amazing. We're doing um, some work. Yeah, no kidding. Well, I mean, to actually backtrack this time, let's talk a little bit about the field in general. Like, I think it's something that people wouldn't really think of until unless, you know, it directly affects you or you're in it or until you hear those statistics. Like we talked about it on um, the inclusivity series on that Zoom and it was really staggering. I mean, it, it makes sense when you think about it because there are so many barriers to entry and even like how you were describing um, your perception of like the world ahead of you when you were graduating high school, you know, like there wasn't anyone coming to your school being like, Hey, you, you could, you could do what I'm doing. Look, there are people that looks just right. like you. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, we don't have to get into like yeah. facts and numbers if like, I know you probably don't have those like right off the top of your head, but um, I would like to touch on it a little bit. 
the what about the lack of diversity in the field yeah and like how that affects how it affects you know potential patients or you know kind of turns people off from getting help and i think the good word is uh turn off yeah Um, even for myself as i was coming up um i was turned off i was turned off that um there was not a lot of people that looked like me, but then what ended up happening, and I think I spoke about this um, at the talk with Ashley, that I kept being shifted into this box. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of the, the people that we do serve around, you know, you know, a lot of these preventable diseases around nutrition are people of color. Um, in fact, fun fact, people think it's people of color, but it's actually, well, other than that, it's uh, Native Americans are actually a big, big population. Again, we don't talk about them. I know I totally shifted um, who are, you know, marginalized and not like looked at around health. But other yeah. than that, I just want to just say that Native Native Americans, I think about my um, them all the time. Yeah. But they want us, the students coming up that look like me or have any like diverse background to go into these communities because that's the communities that yeah in a sense are struggling and they need our support and then we do uh we do serve around nutrition or more clinical more community nutrition yeah um as much as that is very dear to my heart um I still how are we going to be represented in another area so we need to be represented in other areas as well not just in community yes right. We need people there. Yes, we need people in clinical. Yes, we need people in whatever, food service and all these places. Um, So I had to let go of this idea of having to be placed in this box and just disregard what my white colleagues were. I don't say their colleagues now, but professors or mentors were like trying to do. And I get they were coming from a good place, but it was still harmful in a sense. Yeah. I mean, it's also good for them to get educated on why yeah. they shouldn't just be pushing everybody people like, into a box. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the turnoff, honestly, for a lot of either patients or clients, it's just how can you relate? The most powering thing that I use, the most powerful thing or powering thing that feels empowering that I get is when I get messages um, or somebody finding me that I speak Spanish or they want to see someone like me, like I do, I outside of sports nutrition and eating disorder, I do do medical nutrition therapy. So these people come with me with medical conditions. So mm-hmm. I have clients that I work with that have um, irritable, yeah, irritable bowel syndrome, like IBS, and they have other, you know, health concerns, um, iron deficiency. So I do do that work too, which again, I thought I wanted to do clinical at one point. It's like, in a sense, I'm still doing a little bit clinical. Yeah. Um, so she reached out to me. She's Puerto Rican. She's from the Caribbean, around roughly where, where I'm from. And she's like, I'm looking for an IBS, someone to help me with my IBS. And do you speak Spanish? And I said, yes. And then she got connected to the practice. And the best thing is, um, we speak Spanglish, what well, we go back and forth between English and Spanish, but it's, I can always see her face light up. Like, yeah, as she's making freedom. her comfortable. She's like, so comfortable. Welcome. Yeah. She has that freedom to switch it up on me. And I'm going to get it either way, English or yes. Spanish and talk about some of the, her cultural foods. Um, and even that I'll learn, she'll learn, you know, some things that we say, we might have the same, let's say fruits, for example, we might call it differently and right. vice versa. So that is a part where when I say that my community is very dear, dear to my heart, that is the part that I'm talking about that I can right. still help in a sense. I just didn't want to put myself fully in that box. Yeah. And I think that's fair. I mean, and you're in a way not putting yourself in another box. Exactly. Keeping yeah. it open, keeping it fluid. Yeah. To be absolutely. one thing or the other. Absolutely. I'm just it's fluid. Just yeah. Like I um, love that. Yeah. And you I, did bring up, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Go, tell me. No, I was just going to say you did bring up an interesting point that we talked about um, 
with Rachel on the inclusivity series about ethnic food and how like just that the idea of that alone is part of why there needs to be more inclusivity and diversity in dietetics and that whole like larger field because if you're only talking about foods that are accessible to certain people or like more like normalized for certain people like everyone else is just supposed to yeah that way yeah that's tough because I have a client right now that I see she came to me for like general for Spanish and for general stuff and she is fearful of her own cultural food because society says it's not okay clearly um it's what I, there's another dietitian uh, she goes by a black uh, nutritionist mm-hmm. she talked about you know decolonizing our you know plates yeah and I'm basically helping her do that it's like she's afraid of she thinks that she needs to have like things like cauliflower rice or skip out on rice and not right. have rice at all or um not have her culture of food she's from Guatemala and I'm like no, no, no. Your the your food is equally. I actually spoke to her on. It's probably more healthy than half the stuff that we eat here. It's it has so many nutrients. It's just like it. I don't know. It was just so. I don't like. I have good bearings with my client, but like part of a part of it after I'm finished with them or internally, I'm. It pisses me off. Not at them, but it's like right. No, no. Our food is okay. Like your food is okay, my food is okay. I'm not telling her just like that, but like a part of me is like, right, my food is okay, right. Um, you don't have to have cauliflower rice. No. Like, eat the real rice. Just eat the goddamn rice. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's the pull quote. <laughs> just eat it. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so there's that. So I literally have to spend time, which again I do with. I'm okay doing that. Like I have to break down food with people yeah. and like break it down and tell them like this is everything this food has and how it's going to be useful and this is okay to have and that's right, right. like you know the way we cook beans but yet a vegan might have beans because that's another plant source base for them it's like what is the difference we just add additional stuff in it or make it right. in, like a stew but it's still you're still getting stuff out of it. Yeah. There's someone that a vegan that might have less stuff in it. It's there's still right. bean. Right. Yeah. I think that's so important and so interesting. Like yeah. So our food, her food is not bad. I have to let her know. Right. And I feel like taking bad. away the morality that we tie to food. Like there's no good foods. There's no bad foods. Yeah. There's some foods that you probably shouldn't eat in excess every single day of your life. Yeah. But like, also if you're doing that, you probably are going to feel like garbage and exactly. like, you're not going to want to do that anyways. You yeah. Know? Yeah. I talk to my clients a lot about language. I change yeah. their language when they work with me. So when they first come to me, they're talking about good this bad this unhealthy this mm-hmm. healthy this and i'm like oh well before we end i want to let you know that moving forward language will start changing around here and they're like what do you mean and i'm like well i don't use those words and the yeah. only time that i may use the word healthy is because i'm saying that we need healthy eating habits and mm-hmm. and i'll be happy to explain what i mean by that but like right. i talk to them about you know viewing food differently and changing the language talking about food like yeah the truth is that there's very nutritious food and foods that are have more that are more nutrient dense and then the less nutrient dense food but the key word that I want to take out of it is nutrient meaning yeah. one's going to give you more but the other one's still going to give you something and right okay like let's use the keyword nutrient still going to offer you something um yeah, so we I'm always helping my clients like switch the language. I love that. I know. It's just it seems silly, but it actually really does make such a difference. Yeah, it does. Cause then you feel less shitty when you have quote unquote right. bad, unhealthy food. Of course you can right. have food and unhealthy because we have deemed it bad and unhealthy. So right. let's change the language. Let's change the narrative. Yes. 
Absolutely. Um, okay, so for the sake of time, yeah. we're just gonna end it with a fun little rapid fire round. Oh goodness. All right. It'll, it's easy and fun. Don't <laughs> worry. It's nothing too serious. Um, okay. So since we're talking about food, are you a salty or a sweet kind of gal? Oh, I'm a sweet kind of gal. Me too. What's your yep. favorite? So chocolate. I love chocolate. Same. Chocolate. Yeah. Chocolate. Same, same, same. Always. Um, you're... I don't want to be morbid and say like if you could choose your last meal, but oh god, your favorite meal, your go-to meal. Uh, um, hard. A meal go-to. This is really sad, but every <laughs> year for my birthday, I could have anything that I want, and my family laughs at me all the time. But every year, I go to the Cheesecake Factory, yes, and I specifically get um their herb crusted salmon it usually comes with mashed potato but i switch it for white rice mm -hmm. and it has asparagus and this lemon lemony sauce and then for my cheesecake i get the chocolate chip cookie dough cheesecake mm -hmm. every year for my birthday without fail that is um, so funny i can go anywhere my husband's like let's go here what do you want to go there nope we even went to virginia and in Virginia for my birthday, we have to find the Cheesecake Factory. <laughs> I, we did. We ended up going to the Cheesecake Factory because I'm like, that's that's a thing for my birthday. I'll yeah. eat anywhere else outside of my birthday, but on my birthday, I'm going to go to Cheesecake Factory. Yes. I don't know why that's a thing, but it's a thing for me. Honestly, I feel like it's like an underrated chain restaurant. It really is. I get a lot of people that be hating on it, especially my siblings. Like, we can go anywhere. I'm like, this is not about you. Yeah. It's, about it's my day. It's my favorite. like their bread basket's always good. It's fantastic. I mean the cheesecake, obviously. Have so you had the fried macaroni and cheese balls? I don't know if I have, but I oh, feel yeah. like I need that. You need it, it needs to happen. So that's <laughs> All right. appetizers same dinner. It's been really hard to make a reservation in Boston, so maybe I'll just make a reservation at the Cheesecake Factory. Yeah. I know what I'm gonna get. Um okay, your like the biggest nutrition, like faux pas or like fad diet kind of thing that make you makes you like roll your eyes. Uh, all of them. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I guess the more recent, the keto diet. Oh, yeah. Could have called that. Yep. Uh, but all of it, but the keto. Mm -hmm. Yeah, agreed. Um. What is one of your like non-negotiables in your daily routine? Like that I must do? Yeah. Or that um, like you try to do every day? Um, stretching. I need to stretch. Stretching is my thing. I appreciate thing. that. Yeah. Flexibility is very important to me, especially for the type of sport that I do. I don't, fun fact, I'm an aerialist outside of all of this so fun yes I love it it's literally my heart soul and everything so I need to be flexible it's very important to me yeah and like I mean you can if no one can see the video but if you can't see we're such young spry chickens but as we get older as women that's important Absolutely. and it's something I'm a personal trainer so I should be as good as you and stretch every day and I tell myself I'm going to and I don't so it's totally fine but yeah it's a, it's a thing for me. I need to stretch. I'm impressed though with the aerialist. I've taken like one or two like beginner classes, but it was, both of them are so much fun. It, yeah, it's totally fun. I've been doing it for four years now. Competed, that's, performed. Yeah. That's so cool. Um, okay, just a couple more. Biggest lesson from this last year. Um, oh, it's loaded. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> um, yeah, just sometimes it's okay to be selfish and really take care of yourself and tunnel vision. I have yeah. clients that sometimes like, well, everybody's like trying to figure their shit out and dieting constantly around them. Like sometimes we have to do tunnel vision because this is your journey and your life, your mental health. And I have to do that sometimes. Like I have to separate myself from things and people and become tunnel vision vision so I can just take care of my energy, my energy yeah. 
so important to me. So yeah, that's huge. I agree. Yeah. Um, okay. Last one, any books, podcasts, documentaries, resources of any kind that you've either, you know, read and loved or they've stuck with you where you're currently loving. Yeah. So books right now that I'm reading and I have a really bad habit of buying books and finishing it off, but I'm on a mission for my new year's resolution. I was going to finish some books. So the newest one is called, um, the bloated belly whisperer. Mm. And this individual is a dietitian and she talks about, you know, bloating and, you know, constipation and GI stuff. Cause a lot of people experience a lot of these things, although bloating is very normal, but yeah. to the extent that it's very discomforting for people right. who have a lot of other GI stuff. Um, this book has been amazing, uh, which I recommend to anyone who has, you know, a lot of GI yeah. So you can take a little test and it'll redirect you to the page that you need to go to. So it's very straightforward. So it's not like read all this, it's take this test and I want to show you where you should go. Yeah. That is the current thing that I'm reading, but I love it. Wide range of things. Yeah. No, that's so helpful. Um, And then hype yourself up. Where can everyone find you? Oh, so I'm (laughs) on Instagram. It's N-G, it's E-N-J-I-E dot M-K. Um, my full name, a lot of people don't know because I go by Angie is Angelie, but I just go by Angie, just cut it short. Yep. Um, that is where you can find me most of the time. Um, just working on my Instagram stuff. I'm not like I'm working on branding right now, so I'm keeping it low key, but I have some stuff coming up soon. Oh, having some stuff coming up. (laughs) Everyone give her a follow. Yes. Love it. Well, thank you so, so much. I appreciate you taking the time again. Um, And we'll stay in touch. Yes. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Build with Brayback podcast. Stay connected on Instagram at Build with Brayback and our website, www.buildwithbrayback.com. Share a little love by rating and reviewing, sharing with your friends, and of course, subscribing so you don't ever miss an episode. Until next week, keep on building.